0: Father, in the name of Jesus, we simply, Lord, as we have mentioned every need, we bring it all before you this morning. Lord, we're asking, Lord, that you would intervene in lives, that you would touch lives, you would save, you would heal. Lord, we're praying, oh God, lifting them all to your throne this morning. Lord, so many great needs, but Lord, we come with thanksgiving in our hearts for those needs that you've already answered. Lord, for those breakthroughs, Lord, for those healings, Lord, for the answers that we have heard, Lord, this morning. We give you thanks that you're a God that hears and answers prayer. And, Lord, we just ask again, Lord, for all these needs. We present them to you, the great, the almighty God. There isn't anything that's too hard for you. Would you undertake, Lord? Would you speak? Would you say Would you give your people opportunity? Lord, would you undertake for us? Oh, God, we're just lifting it all to your throne of grace. We thank you that there is access for us. We thank you that through the blood we can come. And Lord, we thank you that we serve a Savior who's touched with the very feelings of our infirmity. So Lord, would you move by your Spirit in all these different needs, Lord. Move again, Lord, across the pulpits in this land as your word goes forth by these means that you would bless it, multiply it, glorify your name, blow upon it, Lord. We pray for the Holy Ghost to come and to have his way. Oh, Father, we're asking, Lord, for the leaders of this nation again, Lord. We are praying for mercy for our land, mercy for this nation, Lord. We're pleading for mercy. You're abundant in mercy. Lord, we're praying, Lord, that you would forgive us, Lord. We do repent, Lord, before you, Lord, of the sins of this nation, Lord, and Lord, we pray that you would have mercy upon it, that you would breathe by your spirit, Lord, that you would bring a great revival across this land. Lord, we just look to you this morning for your word. We pray that you would help us. We pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Hearts that are humbled before you to hear your word, Lord, enable us by the spirit of God to bring forth what you have put in this heart. Oh, God, I pray that you would help. I pray, Lord, that there be no uh, distraction in our minds, in our thought, in our homes, Lord. But, Lord, that we would be shut in with yourself, that you would speak, Lord, use these means, Lord, simply for your word to go forth, for your name to be glorified, for the body to be edified, for us to hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church at this time. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Just remember again, as I mentioned uh, tonight, if you would just pray into that for souls and also uh, pray just again, remember in our Wednesday night Bible study and the live stream for the Lighthouse Club on Thursdays, uh, and then we're just looking to the Lord that this season will come to an end uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, we just looked at that and believe that it will, uh, in these coming weeks, things will begin to change. So let's believe the Lord for that together. Also, you can give uh, your offering onto the Lord through the means there on the website, you can uh, give your gift through the bank transfer or through the PayPal, or you can post a check into the church office here. And we appreciate your faithful giving unto the Lord's work. So important that we give our tithes unto the Lord. Just on that, I want to say also that we plan to have another gift day for the Building Fund. And uh, that will take place next Sunday. Uh, Next Sunday, the first Sunday in May, we'll hold a gift day. Uh, Just believe in the Lord together uh, for the Building Fund. And just assure again, you know, the Lord has led us as a people, has blessed us, has provided for us every penny that we have ever needed in order for the advancement of God's kingdom here. God has provided for it in every shape, and every form. And just a number of months ago, the last year, the Lord led it on our hearts. He led us by his spirit to purchase the building behind us, uh, which we were able to purchase through faith in God, And God's people sacrificing for 92,000 pounds. And we give the Lord the glory for that. To expand uh, the work here that's much needed. And in those four areas of uh, the school needing a bigger classroom. We thank the Lord for what the Lord has been doing in the Christian school. Also to have an outreach area uh, and a a Christian bookshop. Good Christian uh, books. And also to expand then for our main sanctuary. Which this hall is normally full on a Sunday, so we want to just look to the Lord for that. Join these buildings together. We believe in the Lord. It's the Lord's leading. I'd ask you to pray into that for next week. You know, there's a great need. I've given the figures of just the next stage of uh, what we need about another nine thousand, but in total, you know, it's 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 ten times that or more that what we need to push forward. And I pray as the lockdown lifts that we can really move forward in this area. So would you pray about that through the week? I ask the Lord. And let us put our gift in the hands of the Almighty, and we know he can multiply our gift and use it for the extension of his kingdom. So I encourage you, saints, to continue to give uh, faithfully as unto the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to continue on from last week. I've been uh, seeking the Lord uh, throughout the week and uh, just asking the Lord for his leading and what the Spirit is saying uh, to the church. And this is the second part of that. And uh, I've been really led of the Lord into uh, just this area of seeking Him for what He would say rather than what uh, men would say. And last week we looked at uh, how we have the ability to hear through vision uh, and then a humility in our hearts and then an ear that is open to the Spirit. You know there's a lot of voices there's a lot of opinion. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom of man and those things in their own fields. I'm not saying that they're wrong. They're the, the best that which man can achieve with the wisdom that he has. But we're looking for a wisdom uh, that comes from above. And this morning, I want to just share again what the Lord has been putting on my heart. I pray that he will help me. Uh, there's been a bit of a battle for to bring to bring it to this stage. And just pray the Lord's help this morning. As we turn to his word, Revelation chapter 18. You turn there, Revelation chapter 18. Uh, I want to speak on uh, Babylon, Babylon, and the fall of Babylon, and what the Lord is sharing or speaking to us at this time. And I'm going to read the whole chapter, Revelation 18. As you're turning to that, once you get to Revelation 18, we're going to go back uh, after Revelation 18 to the parallel chapter in the Old Testament this is where the Lord has has led me into in Jeremiah chapter 51 and that deals with uh, the ancient Babylon Revelation 18 17 and 18 deal with the mystical Babylon or the mystery of Babylon the great just to put some context into this this morning Revelation 17 deals with the religious aspect of Babylon this is prophetic and then Revelation 18 will deal with that which is the political and the economical aspect of Babylon as we understand it in Scripture. As you're reading that this morning, as you're turning there, I'll give you a moment uh, just to get to that. I want to speak just something that I've been uh, just considering over these past uh, number of days concerning Bible prophecy. And again, you know, I've heard it said, you know, um, that people aren't so much interested in Bible prophecy. and You know, we just know that Jesus is coming back and that's all that matters. And that really is all that matters. But Bible prophecy, they tell us, and I don't know this for sure because I've never sat through and went through every verse and counted this through. But they say a quarter of the Bible is prophecy. And so for someone to say, I'm not really interested in Bible prophecy is in light to say I'm not really interested in a quarter of God's word and we are interested in Bible prophecy but what is the purpose of understanding Bible prophecy we know that most of those prophecies or a lot of them have already been fulfilled literally hundreds of them in the person of Christ in his first advent his birth his life his death his resurrection and then we're looking at the coming again of Christ those prophecies that have still to be fulfilled and what is the purpose of prophecy? What is the actual purpose of prophecy and understanding prophecy? There might be diversity within the understanding of end times, but there is a primary purpose in prophecy. And before I read Revelation 18, I wanted to put this in. I believe it's important. I heard an old preacher actually say this one time, a quote from it in 1 John 3. And verse 1, he said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now listen, here is a prophetic verse. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that. So here is a prophetic verse. But we know that when he shall appear, That's Bible prophecy. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This wonderful truth of the appearing of Christ, Bible prophecy, we shall see him as he is. But what effect then should our prophetic learning, our study, our understanding? I've moved in many, many different circles over the years, heard many, many different teachings on the subject of end times. But if our study and our search in Scripture and Bible prophecy does not do this one thing, verse 3 of 1 John 3 and 3 says, And every man that has this hope in him purifieth himself. In other words, Bible prophecy should purify the life. It should make us bring us closer to Jesus, make us ready as the church of Jesus Christ to meet the Lord in the earth. That we are a people. It should not just be for intellectual advancement. To win debates or arguments. Or to persuade men to whatever aspect that we believe. But what Bible prophecy should do. Knowing that there's a hope within us. That should purify the soul. In other words it should make us holy. It should make us more ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. It should bring us closer to the cross. It should bring us closer to Jesus. That's the purpose of Bible prophecy. Now we are living our lives of the Christ. That he ascended yesterday. That he died yesterday. That he ascended today. That he's coming tomorrow. That the, the urgency of the moment is that we are ready to meet the Lord. And our lives are being purified by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. That's the purpose of Of prophecy. Now we come to Revelation chapter 18, uh, 17 and 18. We're going to read chapter 18. We're speaking of a place, literal. In the Old Testament, it was a city called Babylon. In the New Testament, it is a system of works, religion, political, and economical. But we read here of the judgment of Babylon, and we're going to come to it more in a moment. We read here of the judgment by God upon Babylon as a system in Revelation 18. If you read with me this morning, and after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with with his glory, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, "Babylon!" And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out from her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not her plagues. The cry here of the angel is, or the voice from heaven is a cry for the people of God to disentangle themselves from this Babylonian system. And this is prophetic, but I believe that we're already in. In that er, in that time where this prophecy is being fulfilled, the rise of this Babylonian system—it is Antichrist—and there's a voice from heaven. I believe it's the voice, not of an angel, but I believe it's the voice of God that's calling God's people to disentangle themselves from this system, this religious, from this political, from this economical uh, system that is Antichrist. And God's calling his people to come out from among her and be ye separate. It's a worldly antichrist system. There's a voice. If you have ears this morning, you're going to hear the spirit of God speaking. God, the spirit is speaking to your hearts. What is the spirit saying? As we see these things unfolding, there is a cry from heaven that says, come out from among them. Separate yourself. We are in the world but well, we're not off this world. We live our lives in this world The salt and his light, but disentangle yourself from the things and the affairs of this life. Her sins have reached the heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. There is a judgment that will come upon the nations of the world. You know, we have from the 60s, we have introduced laws that are an offense to a holy God. We have believed because of our material advancement. And because of the wealth of the Western nations in particular, that we can do whatever we want without any consequences. But that is not the truth. Those iniquities have been building up. The cup of iniquity is is full and God is going to judge the nations for the things that they have introduced for the sins that they have committed. God has remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double under her, double according to her works, in the cup which she has filled to her double. And how much she has glorified herself, lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. In other words, we're untouchable. You look at this Babylonian system. They are untouchable. There's a defiance. There's a pride against a holy and a righteous and a just God. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death, mourning, famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Then in verse 9, look what happens. The kings of the earth who have committed fornication live deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city. Listen to these words. For in one hour as the judgment come. There is a sudden destruction When men will say peace peace suddenly there's a destruction that is going to come the merchants of the earth the buyers and sellers the wealthy the rich the stock markets shall weep and mourn over her for no man buys her merchandise anymore what she uh, built up in her wealth and in her riches and all that she is and all her might and all her strength then there's a moment that comes in one hour that's no longer men will purchase from her the merchandise of gold, verse twelve, silver, precious stones, and of pearls, fine linen, purple and silk and scarlet, and all thine wood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner mess vessels of most precious wood and of brass. And iron and marble and cinnamon and odours and ointments and frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, beasts, sheep, horses, chariots, slaves, and souls of men. And the fruits of thy soul lusted after are departed from thee. And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for of the fear. Of her torment, weeping and wailing. Rich men, wealthy men that have made their billions out of this system will weep and wail at the sudden destruction of Babylon. They'll say, Alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple, scarlet, decked with gold, precious stones, and pearls. Listen to this, there it is again. Three times you'll find this, verse 17. For in one hour, for in one hour, this is the second time it says, so great riches has come to nothing. Every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off, cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? They, they, they would be astonished at the collapse of this worldly system. And they cast dust on their heads and cried and wept and wailed and said, Alas, that great city wherein were in, made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. There it is again, for in one hour is she made desolate. Then heaven, we are taken to heaven in verse 20, and it says, Rejoice over her, thy heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you of her. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great milestone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall the great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers, musicians, pipers, trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. No craftsman whatsoever shall craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchant's were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. It is a remarkable chapter. It is a prophetic chapter concerning an end-time Babylon system that we are currently in. We are not off this world. We are in this world. But this is a world system, religious Chapter 17, political and economical. The Bible tells us here that there is a world system that collapses in the last days. There is an almighty sudden collapse of this great city that felt it was untouchable, that was the greatest upon the earth. It's not a literal city, but it's, a, it's believed to be a worldwide system. And here in Revelation, we're told three times that in one hour, judgment comes. In one hour, it tells us that her riches come to nothing. In one hour, it tells us that she is made completely desolate. This pandemic, brothers and sisters, if you're listening this morning, this pandemic is just a small part of so much of a greater picture that is beginning to unfold. We understand the days in which we're living and what is the Spirit of God saying to the people of God. We read there in chapter 18 that there's a voice in heaven that speaks to the church of Jesus Christ and says, Come out of her, my people, whatever way we can disentangle ourselves from the affairs of this life. Now we are to disentangle ourselves. It doesn't mean stop doing your work and doing your job and going about your business. It means that if we have got so much of our lives entangled and driven into this world, we must entangle those things and live for Jesus Christ and store up our treasures in heaven where this, this disaster cannot touch. And so we're seeing here that there is a voice that speaks for us as the people of God to come out, Of this worldly system to be not entangled in its affairs, politics and all the things that go with it and all the the financial systems of this world. If we put all our stuff into this world, brothers and sisters, there's going to be a disappointment because this whole Babylonian system, according to the Bible, Revelation chapter 18 and one hour, everything is going to suddenly and totally change forever. When we look at Revelation 18, what the Lord impressed upon my heart was to bring me back into the mirror image of Babylon, ancient Babylon, that's found in in the prophet Jeremiah in the book of Daniel, also prophesied of in the book of Isaiah, that God led me back in to look at the the pattern and the types, It, it is Babylon, ancient Babylon, and this Revelation 18 is that prophetic Babylon but there's a reason why they're both Babylon because they're mirrored upon one another. When you come into the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a wonderful prophet of the Lord. He had a 40-year ministry. He was called of the Lord at a young age. If you go right back just for a moment to show you because I believe this is what the Lord is doing and I pray that, that even as we're speaking this morning, that God will arrest uh, young hearts, young men. Uh, and God is going to raise men up with the word of the Lord in these days. And Jeremiah had a call of the Lord upon his life. God called him. God commissioned him. God sent him in God's time. And it tells us simply there in Jeremiah 1 and verse 4. The word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou comest forth out of the womb, I have sanctified thee, I have ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And then said I, Ah, oh Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. And the Lord said, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. Whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I put my words, I put my words in your mouth. I believe what we're seeing in this day, in this hour, across the the, the remnant of God's people as God is going to put his word in the mouths of men and women particularly there is going to be a young band of men and women that God has called has purposed that God will put his word in their mouths to bring forth his word at this time Jeremiah is called at a critical time. And this is a crucial time. The call of God is coming. But it's God's time. And it's so important. Now we know the timing of the Lord. He will equip us. He will put his word in our mouths. But it's in the time of the Lord. At this time Jeremiah is raised up as a prophet. Uh, to to uh, the southern kingdom. To Judah. We looked at Ezekiel last week. He's in that northern kingdom. And now Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, is called as a young man for 40 years. He's going to bring the heart of God. The first judgment that was come was the chastisement of God upon his people, Israel. Before we get to Babylon this morning, I want to set the scene in ancient Babylon to understand what's happening in these last days. So we see Jeremiah's called of the Lord, the tragedy of the day in his ministry, is found in Jeremiah chapter 2. If you turn back again, sorry. Jeremiah chapter 2, and it is verse 13. Jeremiah 2 and verse 13. This was the tragedy of of the people of God at that time. My people have committed two evils, for they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. These are the two evils. That was found amongst Israel at that time in the ministry of Jeremiah. They had forsaken the fountain of living waters. They had forsaken the Lord himself. Hallelujah, he is that living water. And they turned away in their backsliding. But not only have they turned away, the second evil is they had created their own form of religion to satisfy the lust of their own flesh. They had created their own forms of entertainment rather than worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. And Jeremiah is impregnated with the word of the Lord. To bring the people again unto a God that has loved them. That a God has cared for them. That a God has redeemed them. A God has brought them out of Egypt. A God has sustained them. But they had hewn out for themselves sisters that cannot hold water. They had forsaken the fountains of living water. That's Jesus Christ. And so now Jeremiah comes with the word of the Lord. And he brings the judgment. God was going to bring a chastisement to Israel That God would bring them into captivity. That captivity is known as the Babylonian captivity. Babylon. God would permit in that time that that, that a king would be raised up. That king would bring judgment upon Israel for their backsliding in order that God would cause them to be jealous and to want to return to God. And so God in his sovereign purpose and plan begins to raise up a kingdom known as the Babylonian Empire in the Old Testament under a king called Nebuchadnezzar. This was the pinnacle of its rise. This was at, at Babylon at its greatest that would bring judgment upon the land. Now what happened at that time? I want to share what the Lord has put in my heart because I believe there's, there is a mirror image of what we're witnessing In Jerusalem, the last great king, the last good king, because we know throughout the Bible, you'll read, and such and such a king did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then another king rises up, and they did that which was good. Well, the last good king in Jerusalem, in that southern kingdom of Judah, the last good king was a king by the name of Josiah. And that's critical. I believe this is so important. That is so crucial because God raises up kings today and God brings them down again. And we see the great reform. If you turn into, not at the moment, but you can read it later just for time's sake. In 2 Kings chapter 22, we read of all the great reforms of King Josiah. This was the last good king. At the end of his reign, that would be a significant change in the whole political And religious context of Israel at that time. The last good king. Now I couldn't help but think. And ponder just on these thoughts. That when our current queen. And again this is a thought. But our current queen who has reigned for 68 years. Came to the throne at a time. When there was Christian values that were respected in this nation. She has overseen they say something like 14 prime ministers, 15 presidents. She's the head of 15 states. She is a significant world leader. But she has also overseen this nation turned from God. And she's 94 years old. And her reign will come to an end. I believe that it will be significant If the Lord tarries that when her reign comes to an end. It will be a significant time. A leader often is a representation of what that nation is. If you look at some of the great leaders of the world today. What they are is really what that nation has become. And so we see that this crucial time in in Jerusalem. When King Josiah hears his reforms. It tells us that he hearkened to the word of the Lord. He repented with tears. He with fear. He repaired the house of the Lord. He destroyed the vessels of Baal. He put out the adulterous priests who worshipped Baal, who worshipped the sun, who worshipped the moon and the planets. He broke down the houses of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord. He pulled down the altars, commanded the people to keep the, the Passover. And the Lord was favorable to him because there was a genuine repentance in the very life of Josiah. And God responded to his repentance. The chastisement would come to Israel. But this last good king that was raised up just at the time of uh, Jeremiah's ministry. This was Jeremiah beginning his ministry in that time of Josiah. He, He brought a great reformation. He was a God-fearing king. He did that which was right in the Lord. But we have seen that over the period of time in our nation, what does the Spirit send to our land? What does the Spirit send to the United Kingdom and Ireland? What is the Spirit of God speaking to us? We haven't seen in our leaders, very rarely there's been the odd leader, and thank God for them that have made a stand for righteousness, even in our local parliament. But, but on, on the general, we have, we have heard men and not acknowledge God in this at all there is no thought of God they've rejected God and and brothers and sisters there's a consequences rather than even the church in a place of repentance and seeking the Lord a genuine repentance over the sins of the nation We're we're more caught in a Babylonian system that says we are going to be great again. We are going to rise again. We are going to to go up to the heavens again. We are the greatest people on the earth. When you hear that type of conversation from world leaders, you be very careful because we find in Scripture that that is the time, because of that pride, that God will bring its harsh judgment upon the land. And so we see this. Babylonian empire rising you know it at first began at first began that word Babylon it takes us right back to Genesis chapter 10 and 11 it's the word Babel <clears throat> and when you look at that word Babel and the story of Babel found in the Bible with Nimrod building that tower and they tried to reach the heavens and the Bible tells us how they wanted to defy God it was just shortly after the flood had destroyed and they had began to multiply and they went over into that place by the river euphrates just southwest of modern day baghdad and they built that tower that's where babylon that's where it was built on the rubble and the ruins of babel we will build again we will be bigger we will be stronger we are the greatest nation on the world nobody can touch us and so that tower, we know that God brought the confusion, divided the nations and the tongues. But out of the rubble of that, then this, this empire began to rise called Bab- the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar. And so we see that as they built and as they rose out, you know, it tells us of that, of that empire and of that city Babylon, that it was a prof- it was. One of the seven ancient wonders of the world was the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. It was a beautiful city. It was a city that was, that was built over the two banks of the Euphrates. It had its, it had its own uh, temple, to, to B-E-L. B-E-L. It, had its, it had its gods of Nebo, the worship of, of education, of the arts, of culture. Just like a lot of the things we're hearing today. That's what that system was. And when Nebuchadnezzar would go out and he would conquer other kings, he would bring the the silver and the gold into his own temple, the, the, the god Baal, the god of war. That's what that was, the god of war. And when they plundered the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, they took the holy vessels of the Lord and they brought them and they put them in the temple of Baal. And so we see that God... Permitted this nation to rise to bring a chastisement upon Israel. But God was saying in Jeremiah 51. That I am going to judge Babylon. After I have chastised my people. I am going to bring a judgment upon Babylon. And we read then in Jeremiah 51. It is a mirror chapter of Revelation chapter 18. We see that God is about to send a destroying wind in verse 1. We see that Israel Israel had not been forsaken. God had not forsaken his people. We see that he is calling them in verse 6. To flee out of the midst of Babylon. He's calling them to come out of it. It tells us in verse 8 of Jeremiah 51. Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. Howl for her. We see again the similarities of the two. One in the old ancient one. In the new, the prophetic, we see that the sins that have gone up. Look at verse 9. We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her. Then us go to our own country for her judgment reaches the heaven and is lifted up even to the skies. We see that God will bring a vengeance. We see that they were rich in wealth in verse 13. We see that they were brutish. Verse 17. By his knowledge. And every finder is confined by the graven image. His molten image is falsehood and there is no breath in them. They are vanity. We see that God was going to work a work. He says in verse 24 of Jeremiah, I will render unto Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea all their evil that they have done in Zion in your sight, saith the Lord. God is a God of vengeance. I know that's not popular. But God is a righteous God, He's a holy God, He's a just God. God hasn't missed anything. Dear brother and sister, God hasn't missed anything of what has happened. And all the persecution of the saints and all the laws that they're brought in, and all the blood of the innocent being shed, and all the all the defiance and the marches on our streets. God is not mocked. And we see here, but He's merciful. And we see in this that God will act and God will judge. He will judge the world. He will bring a judgment on this Babylonian system. It says in verse 29 that the land shall tremble in sorrow. For every purpose of the Lord shall be performed against Babylon. God will fulfill his word. When we look at the old and see it in the ancient. God says I will perform it. I will do the work right back. With the prophet Isaiah even some 100 or 200 years previous to this. God says I will work a work. In Babylon, God is going to perform his word in these days. The purpose of God is to bring judgment upon them. He says in verse 33, The daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor. It is time to thresh her. God is going to make Babylon a threshing floor. His threshing floor. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, verse 36, I will plead thy cause and take vengeance for thee. And I... Will dry up her sea and make her springs dry. Tells us how they're astonished. Verse 41. Shishak is taken. How is the praise of the whole earth surprised? How is Babylon become an astonishment among among the nations? Remember Revelation 18. That the rich man, that the merchants, they'll stand back and they'll be astonished at how she has fallen. The men that have dealt with her, that have made their finances from her. They'll stand back in astonishment how she has fallen. And now there's the call, verse 35. You see the whole Myrrh image here. My people, go ye out of the midst of her. Deliver ye every man his soul from the fierce anger of the Lord. And so we see here the judgment of God. We see the God... Is going to perform a judgment upon Babylon like he did with the ancients. So he will do with the prophetic in Revelation 18. In verse 63 of that chapter, you'll also find it in Revelation 18. It shall be when thou hast made an end of reading this book that thou shalt bind a stone to it and cast it into the midst of the river euphrates if you go back just for a second in the revelation 18 i want to show you this so many of these verses are just a mirror image of what exactly takes place so we can see what is about to happen revelation 18 and it says in verse 21 And the mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found again no more. It's the finality. It's the the final working and dealing of the Lord. When God begins to work against Babylon, he will bring a judgment upon it. And Babylon... Babylon will be suddenly pulled down by the judgment of the Lord. We are instructed that we have to disengage ourselves from that system that's rising. It is a religious system that is coming together, I believe, under the Roman Catholic Church, Revelation 17. I believe that is a type, the Whore of Babylon, a counterfeit church. It will become an interdenominational, interfaith, ecumenical movement, Revelation 17. And then we see the political and the economical aspect of it joining together. It's an anti-Christ world. It is an anti-Christ world in which we're living in. And there's a defiance. There's a defiance against God. But God's going to bring a judgment. What's the Spirit saying to the church? I want to show you this morning what I believe God is speaking to us. How we're going to live in this. How we're going to walk through this, how we're going to live our lives as believers in the midst of this, because it's all around us and it's rising. One of the primary books that deals with prophecy in the Old Testament, you have those major prophets there of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and the fourth being Daniel. And we hear and read from the book of Daniel, who was taken captive in the time of Babylon and its rise. So you remember, here's, a, here's an Israelite. Here's a Hebrew child. And his friend Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. We know the story so well. They are taken captive. They are taken away. And they're living in Babylon. At the time of God's chastisement in Israel. I tell you, brothers and sisters. The Spirit of God very clearly is speaking to us. That God will have a church in the midst of all of this. That's an overcoming church. Brothers and sisters, you have the spirit of God within you. Jesus Christ is in you. And he that is in you is greater than he. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. So in the midst of this, we see not only is Daniel a book that is filled with prophecy, but the actual actual account of Daniel is prophetic in itself. Because it shows us when we come to those great stories, Those great accounts of God's people in the midst of a Babylonian empire with a a king that's so wicked. We find that in the midst of that, there's a church that overcomes. There's a people that are full of the Holy Spirit. There's a people that overcome this world. And brothers and sisters, that's what the Spirit of God is speaking to us in this hour. He's calling us to come out from that, that worldly system. Don't get entangled. In the worldly affairs of this life, you won't be able to ward a good warfare if all your entanglement is in the things of the world. We want to fight the good fight of faith. We want to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. We are overcomers in Jesus Christ. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Thank God this morning there is victory in Jesus. We know what's happening. And the Spirit of God has drawn His people onto Himself Friends are you hearing what God is saying. That he's drawn us out. Is the prophecy. Is the reality of what we're understanding. We may not fully grasp it all. There might be some diversities within our understanding of end times. But if we have this hope within us. That should be purifying the church of Jesus Christ. Bringing us closer to Jesus knowing that Jesus Christ is coming. There should be an awakening in our souls. There should be a longing in our hearts. We should be putting things right in our homes. Right in our lives. Right with a brother and right with a sister. We should really know and understand if this is real and we believe it to be true. Then it should have an effect upon us. And Daniel's carried away. These young men, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, were carried away into Babylon. And if you have your Bible there, you get it open to Daniel and the first chapter. Just for a moment, we're going to come to an end and close them at this. But in Daniel chapter 1, I pray that I've been able to put it across as the Lord give it to me. But in Daniel chapter 1, we read of these men. We read of these young men that stood up. In that day, they were not compromised because there was a world that was rising. They weren't influenced by that world. They weren't carried away with the, the lust of the flesh and the influence of what that, that world is so influential upon our young people. With all these devices, with all the means by which you can be influenced. But oh, to be influenced by the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, to have the influence of God and his word upon our hearts. In Daniel chapter 1, we see this man, Daniel. Oh God, dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare in the midst of it all to stand up for Jesus. But look what it says in Daniel 1 and 8. Daniel purposed. He purposed in his heart. We have a purpose Praise the Lord, there's a purpose for your life. There's a purpose for the young. There's a purpose for the old. There's a purpose for everyone. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He purposed you know, you gotta purpose yourself in these days to live a life for Jesus. You gotta purpose it every day. You cannot defile yourself with the things of the world, not which would offend a holy God. There was a Daniel God give us a Daniel people, not just by name or not just by cliche but that there's a Holy Ghost conviction. God give his people with conviction. Have you got a Holy Ghost conviction to live a life for Jesus? He purposed, you know, he's far from home. He's far possibly from his family. They gathered up the best of those Hebrew children, took them away from their parents and their families, and then the instructions of their fathers, Brought them in and wanted them in the king's palace. But I tell you, friends, their mommy and daddies weren't there. There was none of their their church leaders there. There was none of their Sunday school teachers there. There was none of their youth leaders there. But, friends, what they were is what they always are. They purposed that they not defile themselves, they purposed that they serve a God who is the Almighty. It tells us in the Bible in one Daniel chapter 17, because they give themselves to the Lord and purpose to live for Him. And verse 17 it says, these four children, God gave them knowledge, skill in all learning, wisdom. Daniel had understanding in all visions and in all dreams. You hear me this morning, brothers and sisters? Have you just? Dis- Pull over for a second because I believe the Lord is speaking to some of our young folk today. But I I really have sensed this just in preparing this message. These four children, God give them knowledge. Why did he give them it? Because they were going to obey God. The Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost is given to them that obey him. They purposed in their heart they're not going to compromise they're not going to be flooded with the things of this world in their mind. And what they see and what they hear. But they're going to serve God. And because they purpose that. God gave them knowledge. God gave them learning. God gave them wisdom. That's just not a natural thing. But that's the wisdom that comes from above. And God gave them understanding and visions and dreams. And the Bible tells us. You turn over and into the prophet Joel that the Bible tells us there that there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days. Verse 28, It shall come to pass, Joel 2, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, upon your sons and your daughters, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men are going to see visions. Why? Because they gave themselves to the Lord. They were a 100% on the altar. They purposed in their heart. I'm not going to do this with a divided heart. I'm not going to have one foot in the world. And one foot in the church. I'm going to give everything to Jesus. I'm going to be a true disciple of the Lord. And when they let all on the altar for Jesus. He gave them the Holy Ghost. And signs and wonders follow them that believe. He'll pour his spirit out. And young men shall see visions. And old men will dream dreams. We see in the midst of this the God in Babylon. In the midst of an antichrist world. That defied a holy God. We see a people that are looking to Jesus Christ. That will serve him because they love him. And they were full of the Holy Spirit. We know it doesn't end there because... We'll take the great account of Daniel and these three Hebrew boys and we'll teach the story. But the story, we'll teach the account of them in the lion's den or in the fiery furnace. But there's a prophetic element in this. We see that this is, there's a gathering of the people. All together against the church of Jesus Christ, these shall make war. They have one mind. They shall make war with the Lamb, but the Lamb is overcome. We see a gathering together of all the people against God's people, we see out of every nation, all the tribes and all the tongues that the order is made. You see the rise of this Babylonian system. You see it rising hard, coming together, united, religious, economical, political. And they're against one thing, they're against the church of Jesus Christ. But praise the Lord, he's gonna build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God has a remnant of people in the midst of that. And here we see that as that order goes out, that 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 at that time when the music is played, when the trumpet sounds, that this united Babylonian system will buy to that antichrist. But there's three that will not buy. And brothers and sisters, these are men and women that have purposed that I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. This is a type of what's happening today. We see that image of gold. We see the rise of that Antichrist world, but we see a people. There are certain Jews, the Bible says, that will not buy. They will not buy the knee. These are men that love God. They love the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see now the anger. And this is what I want to show you just as we're closing. We see the increase of the temperature. And that's what's happening, brothers and sisters. There's an increase of the spiritual temperature in the day that we're living. When that fiery furnace, when he says begin to blow, to begin to turn up the heat, we're feeling the heat. We're feeling the spiritual temperature. We're seeing the rise of that Babylonian system. But you must know that God's going to judge it. And God's going to bring it down. We see as that temperature's increased. And we see that these men are brought before the Lord. Before the king Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what they say. Verse 17. When they're brought before the king of Daniel chapter 3. If it be so. Our God. Whom we serve. He's able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. Number one. We know this today. Brothers and sisters. We know of a truth. That our God. We sing it here. He's able to deliver. Praise the Lord. He's able. He's the great deliverer. Our God. Praise the Lord. This morning. He's able to deliver us from your burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But verse 18 is a key verse. But if not, if we have to go through the trials, if we have to go through the fire, if we have to face up to this world that hates God and hates Christ, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Brothers and sisters, here's men... That have purpose to serve God. God's calling us. The spirit of the Lord is speaking to us. To come out. Disentangle ourselves from the affairs of this world. To disentangle ourselves from this Babylonian system. Don't keep pouring into it. Holding on to it. Putting your trust in it. Because I'm telling you brothers and sisters. That this system is going to collapse. You know when you hear men talking about how great they are. How wonderful they are. I'm going to show you in just a minute. How wonderful they are and how great they are that they'll never be brought down. But in the midst of that furnace, as the heat increases, we see as the temperature rises, we see that Jesus Christ himself appears in the midst of that burning fiery fiery furnace. When the heat gets so great, it is wonderful. The great almighty God, Jesus Christ himself, he comes in the midst of his people He comes as that as that reviver of our hearts. He comes as that peace that passes understanding. He comes as that healer of our broken hearts. He comes as that sustainer. He comes as Jehovah Jireh. He comes as the almighty God. Praise the Lord this morning that in the midst of it, there's an appearing of the almighty. There's a reviving of the church. When the church stands up, praise the Lord, we're not standing on our own, but we're standing by the grace of God and through Jesus Christ we even read here as Nebuchadnezzar and this is important this king of Babylon I want you to hear this this morning I believe this we see even this great leader then begins to acknowledge when he sees that fourth man fourth man in that fire in verse 28 of Daniel 3 he said blessed be the God of Shadrach Meshach he acknowledges God who has sent his angels, delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they may not serve nor worship any god. They will not serve any other god except their own. Here's a king, a wicked king, but a king that acknowledges God. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, at this time, you might hear a lot of language used of men acknowledging God and the Almighty. But they have lifted themselves up before an almighty God. There is a defiance in them. That they are greater, bigger and better. We know that God is going to bring the judgment upon this world and this Babylonian system. It is wicked to its very core. We know God begins to reveal the dreams to Nebuchadnezzar through Daniel. And God begins to speak in those first four chapters of Daniel. It deals specifically with Nebuchadnezzar. But once he goes, that's really the end of it all. In verse 28 of verse chapter 4, all this came upon the king. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, is not this great Babylon? Listen to his language. Is this not great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by my might, my power, and for the honor of my majesty. Listen when we hear. The western leaders. Speak and I've heard them. Talk about. How great their kingdom. Or their country is. By the might of their own power. And for their great name. And their great majesty. Is what the bible says in verse 31. While the word. Was in the king's mouth. There fell a voice from heaven. Saying. O king. Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. Verse 33 says this, remember in one hour, the same hour was the thing fulfilled. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is going to judge this world. These nations have defied God. Our pride, our building, our materialism, we have tried to reach to the heavens and beyond. We don't need God, we don't think of God, but in a moment, suddenly in one hour, this whole system's going to collapse. The Spirit of the Lord saying to us all, young people, if you're listening, come out from her. Be separate, not in a legalistic way, but just in serving God with all your heart and loving the Lord singing his praises and serving him. Be not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not trying to keep something, it's letting him keep you, but living for him. He's calling us out. He's commissioning young people, older people. He's giving visions. He's putting his word in our mouths if we're willing to purpose in our hearts that we're going to serve him and serve him alone. He wants us to disentangle ourselves from the affairs of this world. Jesus is coming. We believe in Bible prophecy that Jesus is coming. That should purify our souls. This hope that's within us, it should purify the church. So often it is mere intellectual gain, knowledge that we can debate with one another and find out who does this, who believes not. that. Brothers and sisters, it should purify our hearts and our lives that if Christ should come today, that we're ready to meet him. So God's calling us to come out. In one hour, it's all going to change. The system will be judged. But as the people of God, we are overcomers through Jesus Christ. We'll serve him with all of our hearts. Let's pray together as we close this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh God, I pray, Lord, in the weakness of this flesh, Lord, in the stammering words, but Lord, I pray that you've taken, Lord, these few words, and Lord, that you will use them to impact a life for your name, for your glory. Lives will be challenged. Lord, there will be repentance. There will be a, a true separating from the affairs of this life that will be led by the Spirit that would will be purposed by the Holy Spirit. Lord, that whether or not you will deliver us, we know that you can. But Lord, if we have to live through all of this, Lord, we're going to serve you. And the reason we serve you, Lord, is because we love you. There's no other reason why we want to serve you, because we do love you, Lord. I pray even today that young people and we get a fresh touch of the Lord, there would we'll be a fresh dedication of their lives to the Lord not in a religious way or a, or a ritual, but Lord, just hearts that are given over, fully surrendered to say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm not going to be influenced by what people say, what the world say, what the politicians say, what the, what the idols of this world say, but we're going to be influenced by what you say. We will serve you, Lord, whatever capacity that is, Lord. Lord, give us the humility to serve you in that capacity, Lord. Oh God, we pray. Lord, raise up your people. Strengthen them. Give us much grace, much power. Lead us on with yourself and glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening this morning. Praise the Lord we'll be back tonight for the gospel service. Would you pray into that? Amen. Praise the Lord.